All right, well, welcome everyone. We are going to continue on our series of teachings on mind-brain connections. Last time we were together, we dealt with the book of Revelation. We started in Revelation, dealt with chapter 1. I want to give a little more on Revelation chapter 1. I have found some interesting things since I was last here concerning the seven churches, so I want to add that into the mix here as we talk about a little bit more on Revelation. Now, when I began, I shared with you how that the ancients believed that there were at least 70 different applications that you could make where the Word of God is concerned. And I shared with you how that I believe there's one interpretation, just one interpretation, and that interpretation is Christ. And Christ, of course, is many-membered. He's head. We are body. But the 70 different applications, now I don't see 70 necessarily applications, not saying that's not the truth, but I believe we can take any book of the Bible and we can apply it to spirit, soul, body, emotionally, mentally, financially, and that's what is meant about 70 different applications. One interpretation, but many applications. I also shared with you the last time we got together how that if you would lay your body on the tabernacle, your head would be in the most holy place, your body would be in the holy place, your feet would be in the outer court. And we talked about the fact that the flooring of the outer court was the dirt, or was the ground. So our feet would correspond with, with the earth. Our feet touch the earth. So we've always been in the most holy place. We came here in the most holy place. But what we are doing to experience that most holy place experience is we're coming to the outer court where the brazen altar and the brazen labor is. And as we experience that cleansing between our ears, we then can enter into the holy place and experience that dimension of the candelabra, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. And then we experience who we have always been as the most holy place. Not only are we in the most holy place, but we are the most holy place. So we talked about the last time, we talked about that the last time we got together. Now, in the book of Revelation, what we see quite often in the book of Revelation is the fact that the things that are written there surround the temple. And guess who the temple is? He doesn't dwell in temples made with man's hands, but he dwells in the body of Christ. We are the temple of God. And much is written also in the book of Revelation about the throne of God. And you could go to Isaiah where it talks about our heart is the throne, our heart awareness. So as we look at what is written in the book of Revelation, we see that it refers to our body. We can make an application. Now, it has other applications. I think that for the early church, it was, you know, about 70 A.D. And Roman and uh, Titus and the Roman soldiers coming in and destroying Jerusalem and the temple. So in a literal sense, that's how they applied it. But for us today, we have to see it in a spiritual sense. So since what is happening in Revelation is surrounding the body and has to do with the throne of God, and since the throne of God is our heart awareness, and since the temple is our physical bodies, you can see how we can take the book of Revelation and we can make the application to us in a personal sense to our physical bodies, and to our heart awareness. And so that's what we're going to do 
as we get into this book of Revelation. Now, I found something interesting when we're going to talk about the seven churches. One of the meanings of the seven churches, or just the word churches, means the action or motion, the point where action or mo motion proceeds. And so if the churches, if church there means the point where action and motion proceeds, can you see how it connects with the flow of the energy within our physical body when we are experiencing the heart awareness or experiencing the throne of God? We're going to talk about that. We will talk about every one of these churches. We'll talk about the lake of fire. We're going to talk about the beast. We're going to have the beastly awareness. We're going to talk about uh, the woman in Revelation chapter 12. We're going to talk about fire and brimstone. And we're going to see that it all is significant and applies to us in a very personal way. It's not separate from us whatsoever. But when we begin, I also told you how that in Revelation 1 and verse 1, it says that this angel sent this message to John and he signified it. Now that word signified, you could pronounce it as signified. In other words, the book of Revelation for us was written in sign and symbol. And when you look at verses 8 and verse 11, you'll find that, in fact, I didn't even find this out myself. Roy Richmond shared this with me, that in verses 8 and verse 11, where it says, I am Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, and so forth, he said that's not even in the original. And where it talks about the seven churches of Asia, Asia is not even in the original. So that's some good information to understand and to know. Now, in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1, we read this the last time, it says there, and I saw in the right hand, you could say the right side or the right hemisphere, of him who sat on the throne, a book written within. And how many know tonight that the word has been written upon our heart and our mind? We came here with the word written upon our heart and upon our mind, but then it goes on to say, but it is sealed up on the back side with seven seals. Right. Now, as I said last time, we don't want to be like the Shulamite before she experienced the king that was within her, before she experienced that oneness within her. We don't want to be a garden enclosed, a fountain sealed, or a spring shut up. What would that mean? That would simply mean that we have all kind of blockages here on the back side. In other words, the seven seals are not open within us. And so we're going to be using that periodically about the Shulamite and showing you how that once we come to really experience our oneness, then the chrism, the anointing, which is the same anointing as we are anointed with when we preach, when we teach, when we pray for people, when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, or whatever, that same anointing, and we like to talk about that anointing a lot, but not too often do you hear people talk about the chrism that is produced by a portion of the brain and that flows within our physical body and opens up all of these nerve centers or all of these areas uh, of energy that flow within our literal physical body to cause us to experience the fact that we're in the ageless one. See, I do not believe that our youth is being renewed as was with Abraham and Sarah. It's beyond that for us. We are in and as the ageless one. And we will experience that as this energy begins to flow in these seven centers that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be looking at these churches. And let me just say, first of all, the first church that we're going to define is Ephesus. Now listen to this. 
Ephesus, because remember, let me give you the definition of church again. Church there means the point where action and motion proceeds. In other words, where energy is flowing. Mm -hmm. Not just energy and, uh, you know, anointing to preach and teach and do all that sort of thing. Although I agree that there is an anointing when we do that. But this is talking about an anointing that causes us to experience being in this ageless one. So the first church that we run into is Ephesus, and it points to the nerve center that is located right down here. And I have Ephesus written there, the root center, if you will. Some say it's the, these two are one. Well, I shared with you also how that between the ages of one and six, the bottom vertebrae, we have 33 vertebrae, the bottom five between the ages of one and six become one. But that's something different than these energy centers that we're talking about. So Ephesus, clear at the bottom, has to do with the energy center or the nerve center of what we call the root. And do you know that that is called the lowest place, that particular nerve center that is represented by Ephesus is called the sacred place. The sacred place. Now, why would they call the lowest one the sacred place? Well, it's a sacred place because it speaks of a foundation. It's the foundation that we makes us or gives us the ability to sit and to stand. It's the lowest one. Now, when Jesus was upon the cross, he had seven wounds. Some people say eight because they count in the circumcision that he had uh, physically. But when he was on the cross, there were five wounds, two in the hand, two in the feet, and then one on the side. And I believe that those five wounds represent the fact, first of all, that the veil was rent, meaning that all of the false ideas and all of the false concepts that we embraced out of religion, that we were taught in religion, that maybe was passed down from our parents or our grandparents or, or even just the defiled religious system. That death, as we've said many times, represents the fact that the veil has been rent. Now, when the veil was rent, those five wounds also, when it was just when he was on the cross, also represent the spiritualization of our five senses. So what we're endeavoring to do is bring, because remember the left side, and I don't have that chart with me tonight, but the left side is the side that our five senses try to connect with. Mm -hmm. The left side, the five senses, tries to connect you know, with our mere intellect or our mere reasoning and so forth. And so the five wounds that he experienced when he was upon the cross rent the veil of our misunderstanding and also causes us to be able, once we get the truth from the right side, from the mind of Christ, causes those five senses to become spiritualized. And you can read in the scriptures, taste and see. You can read in the scriptures where it talks about, I think it's in the book of Haggai, it talks about our scent being changed. Mm -hmm. You can read about the five senses once they're spiritualized. In other words, once the left side has become one with the right side and the five senses now begin to see and taste and feel and so forth because the spirit of Christ is flowing through the five senses. So we're endeavoring to see that. So the first one, Ephesus, has to do with the root, the energy field that is called the root. That is the foundation. And you see, if we don't have the proper foundation, mm -hmm. then guess what? We're a ship that's tossed to and fro. We're not very grounded. We're not very settled. The second one then, Smyrna, 
is the sacrum area. It has to do with this area here uh, right above the, uh, the first one that we see there that has to do with the root. Then Pergamos, and we'll talk about these more as we go on. Pergamos has to do, it's the third church, and it has to do there with the solar plexus. And that is where the energy, for the most part, is stored in the solar plexus. When you see the word S-O-N, the sun is in the midst of us, we normally think of Christ being in the midst of us, and that's okay. But sometimes it's used interchangeably with S-U-N. Well, guess what the S-U-N is? It's the solar plexus. Like the sun out here in the atmosphere, it's in our solar system. So you see, everything that we can see in the natural is happening within us spiritually. What is happening in the natural in the heavens is the macrocosm. What is happening within us spiritually, within you and I, is the microcosm. And we're going to see that more clearly as we go through these churches. Then Thyatira, the fourth church, has to do with the, uh, the heart. has to do with the heart. And all of these, as you can see, have colors. It has to do with the heart. Sardis has to do with the throat energy center. The sixth church is Philadelphia, and it has to do with the head or some people say, well, it's the pineal gland. It involves the pineal gland. Philadelphia has to do with the head or has to do then with the, uh, with the pituitary. So we're going to look at all of these. Laodicea, the last one, has to do with the pineal, the, the crown energy field. So we're going to deal with all of these uh, quite a bit as we go through the book of Revelation. Now, let me have you look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. So that's the seven, that is that is the seven churches and again churches means the point where action or motion proceeds and the action and the motion that is flowing within the church us the church has to do again not just when we're preaching and teaching and praying for people or operating in the gifts of the spirit but has to do with the part of our brain that makes the chrism that is the anointing of christ within us and that begins to flow opening unsealing the book within us or opening up all of these energy fields. So in verse 12 of chapter 1, it says there, And I turned to see the voice that spake unto me, and being turned, now notice what he sees, he saw seven golden candlesticks. Now that seems kind of weird that he would you know, turn to see a voice. What is that talking about? How can you see a voice? Well, Notice John, what we, he was talking about here, seeing denotes understanding. So he hears this voice and he turns to see, that's the language that he's using here, he turns to see or he turns to understand something. And as he turned to understand something, what was he doing? He was turning away from the outer religion and the outer tradition and he was really turning within himself. It wasn't something that was happening external to him, but when he turned to see, he was really turning within. Now, let me just share this, and you know, a lot of people really don't realize this, but churches in Baalic worship, they made their churches, and the Western people have copied this, but they made their churches in the form of a man. The altar was where the head was. This is in Baalic worship. The body then was where the holy place would have been. And then it tells us, and you can Google this and you can find this out for yourself, the body part was called the nave, N-A-V-E. Well, we all have a nave. That's where we were connected to our mothers with and fed through the, 
umbilical cord and so forth. But the steeple, believe it or not, if you look this up, it's phallalis. It gives you that word something like phallalis, P-H-Y-L-L-A-S. And it has to do really with the male sexual organ. Mm -hmm. So the next time you see a church with a steeple, go in and tell the pastor, hey, do you know what that means? Mm -hmm. Well, no, you may, may, maybe you better not do that. But I'm just telling you, listen, that's what it represents. And the westernized people, church, has built their churches the same way. I remember when I was in Sunday school, I almost remember it like yesterday, they taught us this song, you know, you went like this and here's the church and here's the steeple, open the door and there's all the people. Well, we have no clue that the people that were into Baalic worship, they worship that. And when we get further into Revelation where it talks about the Nicolaitans, do you know that the gods that they worshipped was, hate to say this, but was, was sex. Yep. I mean, they were into some really, really weird stuff. So here again in verse 12 of Revelation 1, it says, John turned to see the voice. And he saw, it says there, seven golden candlesticks, which again are what? The seven, just like the seven seals, just like the seven churches. He turns and he sees these seven golden candlesticks. Now, what does a candlestick do? Well, it lights. It lights a room. It brings forth light. It brings forth life. So that is why it's called the sacred places or the holy places. And so what is happening here is as he turns to see or understand the voice, he sees the seven candlesticks that speak of light and life flowing within these seven energy fields. And when they flow in these seven energy fields, what are they doing? But they are flushing out all of the desires all of the problems that the blockages in these seven energy fields could cause us, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's religious, whatever it is, they began to be flushed out as this light and as this life from the seven golden candlesticks began to flow in our body. Because remember, we're applying the book of Revelation to what? To our physical bodies and to our heart awareness as the throne of God. So he sees these seven golden candlesticks. He's seeing the light and the life that is flowing, that is opening the seven seals and causing all of that chrism that is manufactured in a part of our brain to begin to flow within our physical body. Now, it's called gold, and notice it says in verse 12, golden candlesticks. What does that denote but divinity? It denotes divinity. So just like the five senses are submitted to the right side and they're spiritualized, so every one of our energy fields becomes spiritualized as the light and the life or the divinity, the chrism, the anointing, the Christ, whatever you want to call it, it's all one and the same thing, begins to flow in our lives. Now, the way we can ignite this or activate this energy to flow would be primarily through meditation. They are not forced. You can't do anything to force them. But meditation, and as Jesus said, taking no thought to the left side, as Jesus said, entering into your closet and shutting the door or shutting off the outer thoughts from the appearance room, as he said, becoming as a little child, in other words, entering into rest and peace and not worry about things, that is going to go a long way to open up these energy fields within our physical body that's so desperately needed in the church today. The church doesn't want to talk about this, I'm telling you. The church doesn't want to talk about this. They want to talk about the anointing that flows when you're preaching and teaching. Yeah. Yeah. But if we are going to walk in this divine health, 
that the Word of God tells us that we can walk in and we can experience, we're going to have to look at this. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced we need to look at this and we need to see it. You know, just as the priest had to go into the holy place on a daily basis and light those candles, so you and I have to light up those energy fields. They had to go in and replenish the wine and the bread on the table of showbread. They had to also replenish the oil and the golden candelabra that had seven different lights on it. And the seven lights representing the seven energy fields. So just as they had to go in and do that, we have to go in and through the meditation, through the becoming as a little child, through taking no thought, we go in and we light these up or we cause that anointing to flow. Now, notice what it goes on to say in verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, again, what are the seven candlesticks? The same thing as the seven churches, the same thing as the seven seals. They are the seven energy fields of our physical body. So in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, now listen to this, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now notice it says there, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, in the midst is talking to in the midst of our body. That's how we're applying it because we're looking at Revelation. As I said, you can apply it in a lot of different areas, but we're looking at the book of Revelation from the perspective of the physical body and from the perspective from the temple and from the perspective of the throne of God, which is our heart awareness. So it says here that in the midst of the seven candlesticks, which are these seven energy fields, is one like unto the Son of Man. Now, you could use S-O-N, as I've stated before, or even S-U-N, because as I said, the S-O-N, the Son, as it says here, Son of Man, is in the midst of us, but so is the solar plexus. Because Son is directly connecting the solar plexus in our physical body. And we're going to look at this a little bit more as we go on here. But look what it says in the last part of verse 13. Clothed with a garment down to the foot. What is that talking about, clothed with a garment? Well, it's hidden for one thing. And then it says, gird about the paps with a golden girdle. So what have we seen so far tonight in this message? Number one, you have these impulses within you. It's the seven churches. It's the seven seals. It's the seven candlesticks. You are turning to see the voice. You are turning to get some understanding about what is speaking on the inside of you. You are beginning to pay attention to these seven centers and not be like religiosity and ignore them. You know, one of the meanings of pineal is a vestige. If you look that up in the, the anointed Webster's Dictionary, it's a vestige. And a vestige is something that you throw away and you don't count as having any value. That's what we've done with the pineal, the crown chakra. The church has thrown it away. What do we need that for? After all, we're going to be raptured out of here, or we're going to die, and we're, you know, we're going to just all of a sudden experience all of this automatically. Well, it doesn't happen that way. So they have made the pineal or the crown energy field a vestige. They've thrown it away. They paid no attention to it. So we're looking at this. We're beginning to pay attention to the pineal and the pituitary. We're beginning to pay attention to the seven energy fields. We are beginning to see and realize that the seven churches have got to be spiritualized. They've got to be energized. You're paying attention to these seven golden candlesticks, and you're realizing they have to do with all of the energy fields within your physical body if we want to experience walking in divine health. 
rather than waiting to some day in the sweet by and by when we, you know, die and or are raptured or no longer here. So we're desiring now, as we begin to see what we talked about even so far tonight, we are beginning to have a desire to experience, to lift our sights upward and to begin to experience the opening of the seals that have sealed up the book of life that we are. We're beginning to see that the book of Revelation is being cracked open for us. The celestial code of the heavens is beginning to be open for us. And we're beginning to realize that he wants us to experience the flow of this energy in the lovely here and now. Now look what it says there again in verse 13. It says, in the midst is one likened to the sun, or I could even say the S-U-N, which is what? Directly referring to the solar plexus. But now notice, verse 13 goes on to say, and it's one likened to the Son of Man clothed with a garment, notice, down to the foot. What does that mean, clothed with a garment down to the foot? Well, what that is telling us and indicating to us is that this is totally hidden. You cannot see this. You cannot come to the understanding of this with religiosity, with carnal thinking with the five senses, with living out of the left side. This is totally hidden. In other words, it's hidden from natural sight, and we've got to turn within to hear the voice or see the voice or understand the voice. You've got to turn within to get this in any way. And I've shared this with you before. If, if a doctor would open you up, they would never find the energy centers. If a, if a neurosurgeon would open up your brain and slice your brain in tiny little slices, they'll never find an idea. They'll never find a concept. They'll never find a thought. It's hidden. This is spiritual. This has to do with spirituality. It has nothing to do with something that any man whose breath is in his nostrils could right. conjure up. It has to do. See, the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. They have to be spiritually discerned and spiritually understood. So it means nothing. It doesn't matter to me whatsoever if a doctor couldn't see these things. Now, I know that a doctor can see the solar plexus, or they know some things about the solar plexus because my niece that was killed last year, uh, she was in an automobile accident. A week, week and a half later, she died. And uh, the doctor came in and, and told the family that her solar plexus were damaged. Mm. I've never heard a doctor ever talk about solar plexus in my life. But that's what he said. The solar plexus were damaged. You know why? If your solar plexus are damaged, you'll never have that flow of life. So a physical doctor, a medical doctor, even knew that much to say that her solar plexus were damaged and she would never have the flow of life. She'd be like a vegetable the rest of her life. So let me go back to that again because it's hidden. It says there, the Son of Man, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, meaning that all of this is hidden from natural eyesight. All of this is hidden from any carnal thinking. Now, the fact also that it was hidden by a garment, remember when we talked about the woman with the issue of blood, and I shared with you how she said within, within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, hem, if I can just touch the hem, and another meaning or another word for the hippocampus that causes our memory to be activated is hem. So could it be that the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years said within herself, she heard this voice within her, and she turned to see, she turned within to see the voice, 
Could it be that what happened when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, the hippocampus was activated and she remembered who she was from her origin from before time ever began and wholeness began to ensue. Wholeness began to be experienced within her physical body. So we could take this, the hidden garment, hidden where it says they're clothed with a garment down to a foot, we can even bring that into it. We can bring into the fact that Paul the Apostle said, put on the mind of Christ, and the words put on mean to slip into like you slip into a garment. So we could even take that hidden or clothed with a garment, we could even take it in that direction as putting on the Christ mind from the from the right side. Meditation and, and the right side and all that goes along with the right side. We slip into that mind of Christ. And another way of saying to slip into the mind of Christ is just turn within. And remember we found out in Luke it talked about, uh, you know, Jesus said, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. You have this key of knowledge but you won't turn in to activate it. And you hinder anyone else that wants to turn in and experience this. And so we need to understand that there's no way that we're going to understand this that we're talking about in the awareness, the throne of God, or in the physical body that we see as we apply revelation to the physical body. No way we're going to see this when we're in carnal thinking. This is something that you can only see from the right side, from the spiritual mind. Now notice uh, the rest of verse 13 goes on to say, And girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, once again, we have the word golden as we have before, and golden speaks of what? It speaks of that which is divine. Gold speaks of divinity, or that which is divine. And the paps speak of the breasts. Now, why would they be girded? Why did you talk about a golden girdle girding the paps, girt about the paps with a golden girdle? Why was he talking about the breast being constrained by a girdle? You usually put a girdle somewhere else, not up on the breast. Well, the breasts signify milk, and milk here signifies wisdom. So what is he saying? He's saying simply where he talks about, and let me read that again, where he talks about girding about the paps with a golden divine girdle. What is he talking about? He's talking about your wisdom and your understanding that would be on the left side. How many know James talked about natural wisdom, but their spiritual wisdom? So he's talking about when he talks about the breast being, the paps being girt about with his golden girdle, he's, he's talking about taking your wisdom from the left side, your understanding from the left side, your human reasoning from the left side, your natural intellect from the left side, and holding it or keeping it constrained. And how do we constrain it? By joining it to the right side. And, and this is kind of funny, but... When I was reading this, I thought, well, maybe that's why women wear bras. To keep the girls from bouncing all over the place. <laughs> you see? I mean, just think about it. This is really what it's talking about. It's talking about having a constraint, you know, upon the girls or upon the natural wisdom and the natural intellect. You know, I know that's funny, but, but that's what came to my mind as I was reading this. Because, listen, we need to have... Everything in check within our lives that flows out of our life. We don't want to just go out here unrestrained. See, it says of Paul the Apostle that the love of God constrained him. Yeah, yeah. So, so what that was saying was that the Apostle Paul was girt about the paps with a golden girdle. He wasn't just operating in natural reasoning, human reasoning or natural intellect. See, and Paul himself said, you know, if you just have head knowledge, 
It puffs you up. Mm -hmm. So all of that knowledge and all of that human reasoning and all of the stuff from the left side has got to be constrained, and it is constrained, and it is controlled, if you will, by the spirit on the right side. That's really good. So, yeah, that's, it's, that's very, very interesting there. Now, look what it says in verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. So, notice the first part there. The head and the hairs were white like wool, and you know what that is symbolic of? That is symbolic of the Ancient of Days. In other words, what it is saying is, it's saying that lineage goes back from before time ever began. It's not any part, verse 14, the first part, his head and hairs are white like wool, white as snow. In other words, he's saying that it's not about religion, it's not about nationality, in fact, a lot of times when people have asked me, you know, what's your nationality or uh, what, is your, uh, what is your religion or what, you know, they ask me natural questions like that. Guess what? I don't really care about telling people about my nationality. Because you know what? Here you came forth from your mother's womb perfect because you evolved out of spirit. And so people are wanting to know what your nationality is. And you know what? They're putting a label on you if you, for example, would say, I'm English. Well, right away, if they have something against English people, they're going to put a label on you and judge you by knowledge of good and evil. Or if they don't like Jewish people and a person says, well, I'm Jewish or I'm Italian, right away, you're a perfect, you know, upright specimen of the Father, and yet they're putting... And see, this is what this is talking about, where it says his head and his hairs are white like wool, as white as snow. There's no nationality. There's no nationality. It's beyond religion, folks. It's beyond anything of the natural. And Jesus said it this way, call no man on earth your father. You have one, which is your heavenly father. So spiritually speaking, none of us have any nationality. Spiritually, listen, it's even, I could even bring in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Christianity is a label. Yep. We were never called to be Christians. Right. We were called to be Christ. Now, I'm not going to broadcast that to a bunch of people, but right. let me just say, even Christianity is a label because people will be... A lot of people don't like Christians. Yeah. So if you tell them they're, you're a Christian, and for gosh sakes, don't ever tell them you're a preacher or a minister. <laughs> They'll slap a label on you instantly and judge you according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You won't have a spitting chance. Not a spitting chance. I'll guarantee you. <laughs> now, look at this in verse 14 again, where it says, Hairs are white as wool, or white like wool. It also denotes, because what is hair? It's not saying, oh, you're blessed because you have white hair. That's not what it's talking It's not talking about your literal hair being white. What it's talking about is what grows out of your head is pure. That's so good. See, what's growing out of our head? Not white hairs. I mean, there may be some white hairs there. I got a few. And if there are, I'm going to cover them up. But listen, <laughs> at least for a while. But listen, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about what is growing out of your head. Yeah, is that which is growing out of our head from the left side, so carnality, good. or is it growing out from the right side of the Christ mind? That's really what that's saying there. Now, hang on to Revelation. Let me give you a scripture on this ancient of days. Go back to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. Because where he says here, let me go back and read this again, the hairs are white like wool, and his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. What is that talking about? Primarily it's talking about what is growing out of our head. 
Is it thoughts of religiosity from the left side, human reasoning, just mere intellect? Or is it the thoughts of Christ from the right side? Now, as I said, nationality, what this is talking about also is nationality, religiosity. None of that has anything to do with anything spiritually. I think even our allegiance. Now, I love the United States of America, but you know what? When boys are out in war, let me just say this. You know, we pray for our side that they kill them all. And our side wins the war. But you know what? The, the enemies are, so-called enemies, are God's people too. That's right. So our allegiance has to be a universal allegiance. Right. I know some people really don't want to you know, hear someone say that, but our allegiance has to be a universal allegiance. We're not for a war. We're not for a war. We're not for you know, our guys. And, and someone says, well, sometimes you have to do that. I understand that in the natural. But listen, if we could get people, and we can't, spirit can only do this, if people could only see, if they could beat their swords into plowshares and study war no more, and if they could see what we're talking about, it would wipe out war forever. No more war. There'd be no more war. No more war. No more war spiritually. No more war physically. Now, Daniel 7, 9 says, I behold, till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. See, now I think what we're talking about can connect to, because you see, when we talk about these energy fields, one meaning is vortexes, and it's like circles, like wheels. So when you go back to Ezekiel chapter 1, and it talks about the wheel in the middle of the wheel, well, this is what it's talking about. This is really what it's talking about, but that's not what I want to apply this. Let me read that again. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days, the Ancient of Days now, did sit whose garment was white as snow, and the hairs of his head were like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So you know what this is referring to here? It's referring to the fact of what's happening within us. The Ancient of Days would have to do, once again, with the fact that everything that we are involved with goes back from before the foundation of the world. This has to do with us here in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. It has to do with the, us acknowledging the Ancient of Days that we evolved out of Him. Call no man on earth your father. You have one, your heavenly father. It has nothing to do with what nationality or what religion we're of. We are of the Ancient of Days, see? And it's also talking about what is growing out of our head, as I previously stated. What is growing out of our head? Is it thoughts from the left side or thoughts from the right side? Now, there's a lot of teaching that can go into this, and I'm not going to go into all of this, but there's a whole lot of things that we could deal with in the book of Revelation right here in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. This is an awesome verse of Scripture. Now, let me throw this in. This is something that's kind of, you know, down another uh, little trail here. But in ancient Egypt, and I found this just recently, thousands of years before there ever was a Moses, thousands of years before there ever was a tabernacle, they found, I think the guy's name is Robert Livingston, if you want to Google that, he found an ancient temple in Egypt. And in this ancient temple, he uncovered something that was written or etched in the wall. 
And this will connect with Ancient of Days in Daniel 7, verse 9. And it was the words, three words, N-O-K, space, P-O, space, N-O-K, nook, po, nook. And when he researched it, he found out that the meaning of that, clear back in 1929, when he discovered this Egyptian temple, written and etched upon the wall, was I am that I am. That was the meaning of it. What is that telling us? That's telling us before there ever was a tabernacle, before there ever was a Moses, before Jesus ever said, I am that I am, or before Abraham was I am, there was what? There was this I am. There was the I am that I am. What am I saying? I'm saying all of this was from before, as Daniel 7 and verse 9 says, the ancient of days. In other words, it has to do with a people that recognize that their nationality and their religion and their being and their everything evolved out of the Father and that they were with him in pure spirit form from before the creation of the world. That's what it's talking about. And they were in the I am and as the I am that I am from before anything. I mean, this goes back eons and eons in eternity. We can't even comprehend it. Now, go back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 14. In Revelation 1.14, again, it says, His head and hairs were white like wool. Now, to me, that's also, I mean, it has several definitions, but it's also where it says his head and his hairs were white like wool. It also has to do with separation. It has to do with where your thoughts come from. Because in other words, for you to experience the thoughts of the Christ mind on the right side, you have to experience a separation from the thoughts of the left side. And so therefore, hairs represent, once again, what is coming out of our head? Is it hair that is white as wool, white as snow? Is it pure thoughts? Or is it the thoughts of the left side where we judge by the seeing of the eye and the hearing of the ear rather than righteous judgment? So you see, what that is saying is that our thoughts must, must be the thoughts of the Ancient of Days. Because listen, there is only God. There is only God. There's no Christian God. There's no Hindu God. There's no Muslim God. There's no Jewish God. There is no Buddhist God. There is only one universal God, creator, source. I am that I am, the Ancient of Days. And that's what we came out of. And once we begin, why am I saying all this? Once we begin to understand this, then it's going to be easier for us to realize the importance of drawing from the right side, having what grows out of our head be pure rather than corrupted from the left side, and begin to experience what we're talking about here, and begin to walk in the divine health that we have always had. Because he is our health as us. The Ancient of Days is our health as us. The Ancient of Days is our wealth as us. The Ancient of Days is the allness of who we is and have always been. And that's what that's talking about there in verse 14, the first part of that. Now, look at the last part of verse 14, Revelation 1, 14. His eyes were as a flame of fire. So our eyes are known to be the windows of the soul. And it represents the fire that purges and cleanses so that we can begin then to see, first of all, realize the importance, but so we can begin to activate their, the pineal and activate the single eye. 
And once we begin to view through the single eye, that's what it's talking about. His eyes were as a flame of fire. We began to see through the single eye or the pineal, the highest energy field, and we began to experience all of this that we're talking about here in the book of Revelation that has to do with our body and has to do with our heart awareness, the temple of God, which is our body, and the throne of God, which is our heart awareness. And as that begins to flow within us, the cleansing begins to take place. We're cleansed from thinking from the left side. We're cleansed from all of that human reasoning. In other words, another way of saying that is it's submitted to the Christ. The feminine principle has been married experientially to the masculine principle. The masculine principle has deposited the sperma or the seed into the left side. Now the two have always been one, but experientially then in our walk they become one because we're walking in it, we're experiencing it. It's just not some theory it's not some religious idea or some concept that sounds good and it's New Age and Eastern philosophy. It's not that. It's actually a people experiencing and walking in who they have always been from the ancient of days, from before time ever began. Verse 15, And his feet were likened to fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. Now, Brass, because it talks about fine brass, his feet were like fine brass. Brass is a combination of copper and tin. And listen to this. Copper and tin are the metals of Jupiter and Venus. And that means that the spirit moves quickly and it flows effortlessly out of each and every one of us as love. Because Venus has to do with joy or listen, if, if you're thinking from the right side, Venus has to do with joy, that you're walking, the feet are as brass. If you're walking in this that Venus represents, you're experiencing the joy from the right side, but if you're walking in this that Venus represents, you could be walking in the sadness from the left side. Jupiter also has to do, it speaks of, Jupiter, if you look that up, it speaks of desire. Now, your desire can be godly desire from the right side as opposed to fleshly desire from the left side. I'm pretending I have my brain chart up here tonight. So you can either have joy or sadness through, and let me go back and read that verse again, his feet were like fine brass. In other words, your walk can be that of joy or sadness, depending on which side you're drawing from, or it can be fleshly desire from the left side or godly desire from the right side. And I'll guarantee you for every one of us, if it's fleshly desire from the left side, oh God, if you just give me this house, I'll never ask you for another thing in my life. Or if you give me this car, I won't ask you for 10 years for anything. That's fleshly desires. And I'll guarantee you, it will not satisfy and it will not fulfill. But when you begin to draw from the Jupiter, from the right side, and those desires become godly desires, they'll fulfill your life. You'll be fully satisfied. And fulfilled in your life. And, and what is that saying? That's saying what it says there in verse 15. His feet, our feet, were likened to fine brass as if they burned in a fire. In other words, the sadness, the sadness of Venus, if you will, is swallowed up and burned up and you experience the joy of Venus when you're living from the right side, from the Christ mind. Or the same with Jupiter. You can be living in the realm of Jupiter from the left side and his fleshly desires or the realm of the right side 
which is godly desires. And what are you doing? As it says there, his feet or our walk are like fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. Things have been burned up that were from the left side. And things remain that were from the right side. A whole lot of teaching going into that. Now, verse 15 goes on to say, or it ends with, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, water speaks of what? Water speaks of the word. The washing of the water of the word, Paul talked about in Ephesians. So his voice, where it says his voice is as the sound of many waters, his voice is the mystery of the inner spirit, which is the truth. And this involves actually the throat area. It involves Sardis, actually. When we get into that a little more, we'll talk about it. But it involves the throat area where the energy field begins to speak and articulate the truth. And it's as the sound of many waters. It's an abundance of word flowing out of our throat, mm -hmm. out of our mouth. That's what it's talking about there. His voice, our voice, his voice as us is as the sound of many waters. So symbolically, all of this is talking about you and I, and this is the instruction that we're going to find that the book of Revelation can give us concerning the seven churches, the seven candlesticks, the seven seals. Now, seven, as we've already found out in this series, you know, we've been taught in the church, and it's not wrong, that seven means completion and perfection. Well, yes, it does, but seven also means divine intervention. So when we begin to see the importance of having the charism flowing and opening the seven seals that we have been sealed up with on the backside, when we see the importance of that, what is going to happen? We're going to experience this. We're going to walk in this. We're going to be able to have things unblocked, unsealed, the book within unsealed, and this one has to do with the voice or the sound. So it would naturally have to do with sardis or the throat. The throat energy field. And the throat energy field has to do, in fact, we have a lady at our church that uh, she was ministering. She won't mind me telling this. She was ministering a few weeks back. And while she was ministering, she said that she could feel her throat opening up. The energy field opening up. And she has had all of her life trouble articulating and communicating. And she had thyroid cancer many years ago. And she said she began to realize that something, when she was speaking to the congregation, something was open, opening up in her throat energy field. She literally felt it. I've had people email me, inbox me, call me on the phone, of manifestation that's taking place within their life as they listen to this. Just about every day, someone sends me some sort of communication telling me, hey, I was listening to it, and this is what happened. The whole body vibrated, or, or something that I had for a long time just disappeared, or I had this vision. And uh, I had like a, a little voicemail that I got from one lady in New York, and we played it last uh, a week ago last Sunday to the congregation. I put my mic on it, and we played it, and, and she was talking about all of these manifestations that were happening within her. I had a manifestation. I had for eight years... Two floaters in my right eye. Guess what? They ain't there no more. They disappeared. Automatically disappeared. Just through the meditation of these things. See, because listen, awareness is manifestation. So when we lift our awareness to the realization of these things that we're talking about, because listen, you are always manifesting on whatever level your awareness is at. If it's on negativity, that's what you're experiencing. If it's on the Christ mind, that's what you're going to experience. But as we can fill our awareness with these things that we're talking about, that the church doesn't really want to talk about, you're going to find that the awareness, as it's lifted up, as it's heightened, 
is the manifestation you're going to experience within your life. Now, look at verse 16 as I close here. It says, and he had in his right hand, or you could say right side, or you could say right hemisphere, seven stars. There you are, seven again. Seven means what? Divine intervention. We're experiencing, as we focus on these things, we're experiencing the divine intervention on the inside of our physical bodies, loosing these seals, unstopping any blockages that we might have on our backside, which will release the health and the vitality and the energy. So he had, verse 16, in his right hand or right hemisphere or right side, seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the... Now notice, here in your King James Bible, even in the King Jimmy, it King says, Jimmy. and his countenance was as the... It doesn't say S-O-N, it says the S-U-N, and S-U-N in the scripture, just as the sun is out here in our solar system, the S-U-N is in our solar plexus. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about the energy that is stored there, most of it, the majority is stored there, as a part of our brain manufactures this chrism or this Christ or this anointing <coughs> in our body, so it says the sun, his countenance, was as the S-U-N shineth in his strength. So this verse denotes the flow of the energy up the spine, which opens up then the right hemisphere. Just as in the winter solstice, the sun is in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and then on the 24th of December, it begins to rise, and it swallows up Aries, which is the bird offering, and eventually it goes to the right side, and spring comes. So what happens when this energy begins to come up and activate the pineal and the pituitary, it then goes to the right side. Now, where does the sun rise in the natural? In the east. It rises in the east, not the west. It rises in the east. And remember Judah. Remember when I gave you from Numbers chapter 2? Dan was on the top, emotions. Reuben was on the bottom, the physical. Ephraim was on the left, intellect. But Judah was on the right, and Judah means the dawning of a new day. Judah refers to the S-U-N in the solar plexus. And when you're looking north, what is on your right? But east, the light. And remember I shared with you how the number of people in the tribe of Judah was 186,400. That's the constant speed of light. So the right is the light. The east is the enlightenment. And that's why it's so important for us to realize we've come out of Pisces, the age of Pisces, and entered into the age of Aquarius. And Jesus himself said, when you see the man carrying the water pitcher in Luke, he said, go to the upper room or go to the right or raise your consciousness, raise your awareness. See? Enlightenment. That's what, that's what it means. Age of Aquarius means enlightenment. We've talked about that a lot before. And just as 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8 there, it talked about the door in Solomon's temple being on the right that leads you into the highest place. Why on the right? Because the kingdom of God is within us and the kingdom of God is drawing from the right side. That's good. So the sun, the S-U-N, can be used interchangeably with sun. Yes, the S-O-N is in the midst of us, but so is the S-U-N in the midst of us in the solar plexus. And that's where the energy is stored. Now, I'm going to stop with this, but in Deuteronomy 33, 25, it says, as our days, so is our strength. What does that mean? 
It means as we pay attention to, the, to this, it doesn't matter how old we are chronologically, it's just a number. As your day, so is your strength. I am convinced that I can experience the energy and the vitality and the optimal levels of hormones and all this stuff in my body that they say decreases as you get chronologically older. I'm convinced that I can experience all of those things at a high optimal level as I give myself to the understanding of these things, as it says in Deuteronomy 33, 25, as our days, so our strength. In other words, it didn't matter how old you are chronologically, you can experience the vitality of what you experienced when you were 16, 18 years of age. Now, I may be a fool for believing that, but I'll just stay a fool. <laughs> because I happen to believe that this is the truth. No wonder Jesus said, physician, heal yourself. Physician, heal thyself. It's just giving ourselves. You know, we, in the past, we've always looked for someone, lay hands yeah. on me, pastor, pray for me. And we do that. We still do that in our churches. But listen, there's a, there's a more excellent way. Not much, Not that's much. right. There's a greater way. And what is it is just simply to turn within and allow this that we're talking about to begin to flow. And so I'm finished for tonight. But listen, as we go through this book of Revelation, as I said, as I started, it's primarily talking about what's happening in the temple and what's happening in the throne of God in the book of Revelation. We are, our bodies are the temple, right? Mm -hmm. And what is the throne of God? The throne of God is simply the right side of the Christ mind. And we're going to go through all of this. We're going to, as I said, look at the lake of fire, fire and brimstone. The woman in Revelation chapter 12, remember what it said about her? She had the crown of stars upon her head, the mind of Christ, and the feet or her emotions or the, the moon, the emotions were under her feet. Oh, God, please. And what did she birth? She birthed a man-child. She birthed the nature of Christ. The emotions under our feet. See? The emotions under our feet. Oh, God, See? yes. And, because, and when the emotions are under our feet or they're controlled by the Christ mind, yes. guess what's going to happen? We're going to birth the nature of Christ. So We're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon. It's not Israel coming down or no. Russia coming down to Israel. Look up the word Armageddon. It means the mind. Mm -hmm. The reason why flesh lusts against spirit and spirit against flesh, as Paul said, because we go back and forth from the left and the right, the left and the right. We judge by the seeing of the eye, the hearing of the ear. We're not judging things, discerning things out of out of Philadelphia, the single eye, the single eye. But we're beginning to, if we'll give our attention at least somewhat to some of this, we'll begin to experience these things. And we'll begin to walk and, and listen, we will experience manifestation as never before, not because someone laid hands on us, right. but simply because awareness is manifestation. Fruit that remains. And will be fruit, and yes, it will be fruit that remains, not fruit that's here today and gone tomorrow. Laying hands on people, you know, I've seen a lot of people heal through laying on hands, but a few years down the road they have another problem or the same problem arises again. Right. But we're after fruit that remains. And dealing with this brings about that manifestation of the fruit that remains as we give our attention to this as we as and jesus gave us you know and i'm not saying that there aren't other ways that you know these can be opened up but i'm simply saying jesus gave us the way to open these energy centers up and then be fruit that remains because you can you know have other things that open them up and they may not stay open but when we meditate, when we become a little child, you know, when we go into the prayer closet and shut the door, 
when we do those things, then it can become a flow that never leaves. It's a consistent flow within each and every one of our lives. So, Father, we thank you for your word, your spirit. Thank you that our spirit is quickening, conceiving and quickening this word within our heart awareness. Thank you for your love, for your grace, for revealing the truth unto us in no uncertain terms. We thank you. And thank you for the boldness to stand for these things, no matter if the church doesn't want anything to do with it, no matter if they call the pineal a vestige and that it's useless and has no value whatsoever. We're beginning to find out that everything you put in our body was for a purpose. We bless you. We honor you. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen, amen. amen. amen.